Um, I, Alaska to me is just, it's amazing. Isn't most of it uh, above the tree line, actually? Uh, the areas that I went in were around Anchorage, which is like the capital. Okay. And being somebody from the United States, from California, from we're really big into our big wide open spaces here in America. Uh-huh. And uh, I've been to Montana and I've been all over the United States. And one thing that strikes you about Alaska is how epically huge it is. Uh-huh. Like my sister lives up there with her husband and it, it, it's like, yeah, there's this great place we want to go for lunch. Okay. It's like an hour and a half car ride <laughs> at like 70 miles an hour. It, it's like it, every car up there has like, you know, oh, it's a five-year-old truck with 250,000 miles on it because everything exactly. is so far out and so <laughs> spread that it's like even going to town to like go to like a normal grocery store is like a 45-minute ordeal. Like, you know, most people drive five minutes down the block. It's yeah. equivalent to them. And because I went, you know, we, I went to go see like a real glacier and walked on a real glacier and went to go see these mountains and old abandoned mines and all the cool stuff. But it was just uh-huh. like his... I was there for a little over a week, around nine days, and it was just like by the seventh or eighth day, my sister was like, well, let's go here and let's do this. And my dad, who went with me, we're like, we're kind of tired of being in a car, you know. <laughs> and the other thing that strikes you is everywhere you look is a goddamn postcard. Like everywhere is a postcard. Like of you're course. at a gas station and you turn uh-huh. around and there's just like beautiful green trees go to like the rolling green hills to like this epic mountain with like, you, um, peaks. you grow cold to it right and that, that's um that's something i know i mean i live in um i live in just outside of london a place called surrey but when right. I, I worked in central london for for nine years and every day i get off the tube and i walk past you know through what i walk past um the national gallery and i cross the bridge facing Westminster and you know that the House of Lords and the House of Parliament and I walk right, past right. The, the National Gallery and Trafalgar Square and the Palace and then I sort of head up to work and sometimes I see people looking at those things and think meh you know <laughs> it's kind of like yeah you know it's just another landmark um and it was the well, same when I lived in Barcelona which is oh yeah you know it's literally a city this was many years ago now in the early noughties built by crazy architects essentially every street has got some new hidden huh. what's it and i lived facing exactly facing the um uh sagrada familia the big church the, the gaudi church and my tube station on my metro was underneath it so every morning i walked up to it and got on the tube wow. you know in the hustle and bustle and the the normal sort of everyday mundane commute and um I just thought well sagrada familia whatever <laughs> i guess it just well, it, um, it was old. Yeah, it, it well, I've never been outside of the continent of the United States. I've I've been to Canada, I've been to Hawaii, I've been to Mexico, but I've never never been to Europe. And it's one of those things where, as 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 my daughter gets older, I, I definitely want to go. I definitely want to see England and France and do all the touristy oh, yeah. stuff, but also want to get out there and you know see the countryside. And you know, it's just it, it's really crazy when friends of mine go to like when they go to the UK or Ireland, Scotland, anywhere in there. And they're like, Oh yeah, that's like, that's the new pub. It's too, it, it's only 200 years old. That's the old <laughs> pub. The old pub is 1500 years old, you know? And it's okay. like, what? Yeah. Cause it's like, it's like everything here in America, you know, is fairly recent, but it's kind of funny how you were saying, um, when you get a little bit out of town, um, cause 
here, like in Washington, D.C., have you ever been to the United States? I was there just recently, actually. In September, I was in, um, in Portland, in Maine. And oh, okay. yeah. uh, then I was in Vermont at uh, Lake Champlain looking for champ. And then I went to Kentucky for CryptiCons. I was speaking and doing oh, a few excellent. investigations. Yeah. I did the first time also uh, to the U.S. and I loved it, actually. Um, well, one thing that strikes you if you go to Washington, D.C., you know, the Capitol building and uh -huh. the White House and, you know, for, you know, it, you go at half hour, 45 minutes out of Washington, D.C. proper and you're like, in Virginia, West Virginia, Maryland, yeah. and it's like completely different. It's all, yeah, yeah. it's all rolling hills and countrysides, and some of the thickest woods you've ever seen. And it, oh it's, wow, yeah, yeah, it, it's really quite a contrast, you know. Well, so some of those flights I had when I went on the way to the U.S., there was a big storm, and I had to land in Florida, in Orlando, and stay there overnight. <laughs> and um, they put me up in this nice hotel, and um, it was just kind of funny because I got off the plane, and there's wet. A blanket of air hit me. <laughs> what time of year were you in Florida? Because I've uh, been there quite a few times. September, the, I was the 30th of oh, August. Oh, yeah. I arrived yeah. Italy. Yeah, and it was just this wet blanket of air. Now, I'm used to heat, but not heat and wet at the same time. Right. Um, it, heat and moisture, it, yeah. It, it's quite a contrast. As, as somebody from the Southwest, you know, from the Old West, from the desert, mm. spent a lot of time in Southern California, Arizona. Mexico, okay. New Mexico, the desert, you know, it's used to this really dry, oppressive heat. Then yeah. you, go to, you go to Florida, and yeah, you're right. It's like a wet blanket, and there's oh, lizards crazy. and frogs hopping around. Everything smells yeah. slightly moldy. Yeah, it did a little. It, I mean, it was just, as we landed, it was just water everywhere. And um, there was even this, what they called a pond at the back of this beautiful hotel with a swimming pool, and there were, there were deck chairs and hammocks out by this pond and a bunch of, which was in fact like a lake to me, but they said it was a pond. There was <laughs> a bunch of, beware of the alligator, no swimming signs all oh, along yeah. this pond. There was no fence. Uh, oh, no, no, <laughs> no. Lady, so I sit here in this deck chair at the end of the pond. What happens if an alligator comes out? She said, well, you, you should run, get into a tree if you can't get away. I said, that's your advice. I said, how about a fence? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's... it's uh, <laughs> One thing in spending time in Florida is like every little drainage ditch and every little yeah. pond and golf course, if it's like eight by 10 and has water in it, there's yeah. probably a gator. It's probably yeah. a gator in there at one time or another. It's really, yeah. yeah. Um, I like Florida. Florida's kind of like the butt of our jokes in, um, like here in the United States. For, oh, really? You know, for hillbilly, redneck, white trash and kind of stuff. People. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Florida shoes, as I say, there's a, the, the Florida shoes, right? these golf shoes that people wear. Right, uh, but I, I think Florida's cool. I've been, I've been to Orlando and Tampa and a whole bunch of different areas, and I've still got family that live near Miami and everything else. Florida's cool. It's, it's another one of those states where you have the keys and you've got all the dry desert kind of beaches down there and, like, you know, the whole Caribbean feel going yeah. on up to swamps. And, yeah, Florida's a cool place. I mean, that's where – I mean, like that's the home of the skunk ape, you know, the the famous. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love that photo, that famous photo as you described the um, the more ape look, the orangutan uh, yeah, type of the Mayaka um, skunk ape type. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was very, very interesting. I I listened actually very closely several times to ten types of Bigfoot, and some I've subscribed to on YouTube, so a few other things you, you've done, and you might may or may not be aware, but there's there's hundreds of British Bigfoot reports. Um, and I'm, I, that's led by a, a group called the British Bigfoot Research Group. But a few other groups started around, but I'm part of that essentially. Uh, or oh, that's one of the things I look for here. And 
A lot of it just really did intrigue me. Have you still got me? Hello? Hi, can you hear me? Uh, yeah. Hold on one... Okay. Hold hold on one second. I'm on Wi-Fi calling. Let me just go straight Uh, to... Over the air here and... Oh, yeah. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Hello? Hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you fine. Oh, great. Fantastic. Okay. But you yeah. know what? Um, regards to Skype, what my focus is, is um, the problem when something is free is that you can't complain. <laughs> well, we're Americans. We still complain. Oh, well, there so, uh... <laughs> are uh, people, too. So talking about you know, things like Bigfoot and, and whatnot, in your talk, um, a lot of people say that the British Bigfoot is, uh, or Woodwose is more similar to the Almas, the Almasty, which is like your type four, isn't it? And, um, yeah, um, I think there's, when it comes to the Almas, I did a video on it a while back in Russia. Um, what I've discovered looking into it is, is there's, there's so much more nuance to the Bigfoot thing than people, than I, than I, than I think people realize like, oh yeah, like there's a Bigfoot, but we start breaking down to different types. Like when you say the... Ohio Grassman. Well, wow. okay, that's Ohio. That's it's it's a state in the United States, and there's a lot of wooded area. Mm-hmm. But they've got you know the big type one, the paddy type Bigfoots that you classically uh-huh. think of. They have wood boogers, and then they have other stuff going on too. Uh-huh. So it, it seems to be kind of like that same thing with Russia with the Almas. Um, there are reports of a big Yeti type, like your classic seven, eight, nine, ten foot tall, okay. giant like looks like the Incredible Hulk Bigfoot sightings. But they also get a lot of something that looks more like a Neanderthal, something that looks more okay. like, a, you know, like some kind of pre-human or early human, but, you know, bigger and more stout. Maybe uh-huh. something more, maybe something more like a Homo heidelbergensis or something. So, oh. we, so when, you, when, you, when you talk about the Russian Almas, it's like there really seems to be a couple of things going on. And that okay. kind of seems to be the case all over the place. Is you I can't just say there's one type of Bigfoot in one place. There seems to be well, a lot of bleeding. The way I, I think about that and... Um, People sometimes try to pick that apart and say, well, you know, these these accounts aren't uh, synonymous. You know, they don't have lots of correlation. And I say, well, there's the same kind of creature in different environments, like you've just pointed out, in the same way as, you know, a polar bear, black bear, brown bear, grizzly, um, Kodiak, moon bear are all bears, essentially, aren't they? But they look different in different environments. Well, yeah, and you can have black bears and grizzly bears in the same area, and you can yeah. have you can have grizzly bears and polar bears in the same area. Huh. And like, if you look at like Yellowstone National Park, you've got coyotes, wolves, mountain lions, um, grizzly bears, and black bears all inhabiting the same area. Not to mention like bobcats and lynx. That's a lot of different like apex predator species all in the same area, all competing with each other, and all you know doing in the same area so sasquatch and their different variations it kind of only makes sense i mean that's a that's obviously a really really rich ecosystem uh when it comes to the the uk here the problem with some of the reports are um is and i've never said this before but the problem is there's a lack of bigfoot on the brain so when people make reports about what they've seen they use what's in their mental library to describe the creature as it seemed to them but I don't think it's a speciation description like your type one, two, three, four. It's right. more like I saw a giant chimpanzee on two legs run across the road chasing a deer, or it was like a huge orangutan with a flat face. 
um, right. seven feet tall, and things you know, things like that. Um, and those who do describe a bit more detail either describe this, this is a um, man ape armor type face, or they describe something that's uh, far more simian. So I had a report from a a primate keeper, actually, as a primate zookeeper of 37 oh, years. Wow. It's a very experienced guy. He was up in Strathbay Forest in Scotland, uh, not too far from Loch Ness, actually, you know, as a crow flies, in 2012 with his brother. And they were hunting for rabbits and things. They, they go wild camping once a year together. That was their tradition. And um, they were hunting early in the morning. He said his brother's very heavy on his feet, so he always keeps him a little way behind him. And he suddenly yeah. heard, he didn't hear his footsteps anymore. And he looked back to see his, his brother's mouth agape and staring at some big black shape in these blackberry bushes about 50 feet away. And, and there was this huge mound about five foot tall, all black and furry, like a bear of some kind. And then it stood up and turned around and it was seven feet tall. And Jeez. he said he met its eyes. And this is a man he's worked with orangs, he's worked with gorillas and chimps and all kinds of apes and, and monkeys and he said it was like to me it was aged it was balding slightly on top it was like an old bonobo chimp but with a huge huh. gorilla's body upright um but with a flat muzzle or, or nearly no muzzle almost no muzzle, almost completely flat uh, around that area that's fascinating My, it's fascinating because how do you fool this guy we don't have any bears at all what? we haven't had them for hundreds of years so how do you fool him? That's my no, well, point. That, and and that's a really great encounter because everybody says, um, "Oh, you know, how come there's no professionals or an expert hmm. or something like that?" And um, you have you know like Dr. Jeff Meldrum and anthropologists and <laughs> yeah. stuff that 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 are into this that occasionally do field work. But to have somebody who works, I would consider that an expert. Spent his whole life working with primate. Yes. This is a yeah. Bigfoot creature. I mean, to me, that's like. Um, you know, to me, that's like it doesn't really get any better than that because they can really describe, you know, really. behavior. They can describe the physicality. They can describe, you know, like the types of noses and ears and eyes. And, you know, they, they, they've got a really good perspective on it. It was um, it was um, very interesting. And, and one of the things he pointed out, which was very strange to me as well, he said, I know there's a lot of split opinion on on this particular creature and maybe this is my bias but what i saw it definitely seemed simian and not like some kind of man ape cross and that's always you know this this we're all wondering you know what, what this creature is aren't we and he said this was definitely a simian creature but like right. a huge gorilla you know stood up and bare around the top of the chest slightly um seven feet tall with this old bonobo-like face with his flat muzzle. And I, I thought, wow, that's, you know, it's huge. And he's, a, he's still a zookeeper, so he's officially, he's off the record on, he's on the record right. off the record. You know, we're using right. a slightly different name for him. Um, and that kind of thing, like I say, it's amazing. I actually, one of the conferences I was speaking at, Main International Cryptozoology Conference, I, I had dinner with Jeff Meldrum, and I spoke to him about this, actually. And yeah, a, he's a, a bunch cool of guy. He's, 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 he's very approachable. He so. was very, very approachable. And I, I'd spent the whole time trying not to ask him about Todd standing. I bumped into him in the lift in the morning, and uh, this light went on in my head said, don't ask Jeff about Todd, Andy. Whatever you do, just don't mention it. And, yeah, that's, um, kind of a, um, that's, that's kind of a dirty word around me. So Yeah, well, no, I mean, I know that people are really stood on it and everything. And um, 
and I didn't ask him about Todd. Eventually, we were all at dinner, and somebody uh, said to him, so, Jeff, who is this Todd everybody's talking about? And I said to the person, I'm sure Jeff doesn't want to talk about Todd Standing. And that person said to me, not Todd Standing, Todd Dissertel, the geneticist, the DNA geneticist oh, okay. who <laughs> at the conference. And then uh, Jeff said, well, I don't mind talking about Todd Standing. And he talked to us about it for about 30, 35 minutes. Um, and he basically said, look, you know, there's a lot of, I got a lot of flack for working with the guy. And, um, you know, he's a good guy. He's a nice guy. And um, although as a scientist, I can't go on the record and say, you know, this is real and that is, is not. I definitely had an experience out there with him and okay. um, I definitely saw something and uh, you know, I, I, I give him credit. He's a great outdoorsman. He's, you know, he's got a lot of rumors about his wife doing all of this, this FX and actually she's just a beautician. She's not right. a makeup artist and you know, there's lots of things, of course. Right. He well, agreed um, with me that Todd just kind of presents badly. Mostly. Right. Well, uh, although I'm, Still on the fence about the whole thing. <laughs> right, right. It's like I will give credit where credit is due. I'm not one of those people where I, I think everything in life is gray. There's no black and white. And I won't just yeah. say everything Todd's doing is terrible, and I disagree with the guy or don't mm. like the guy. No, no, no. I, I, the opposite. I think that he has collected some very good evidence, like some of his track cast, some of his recordings. Um, some of his nighttime things and flare imaging and some of the sounds he recorded. The area that he researches in is definitely like prime Sas uh, Sasquatch um, habitat. And mm -hmm. I feel he's really collected some good evidence. Uh, the only problem I have is some of his photo evidence. Um, I just, um, I don't necessarily believe or I'm not convinced. Um, I'll, I'll leave it at that. So not that I don't like all of his evidence, not that I don't like what he's trying to do. Um, but with Todd standing, it's more of like, I'm just not a hundred percent convinced with everything, Something but I will say he off. does have a lot of intriguing yeah. stuff he and, does. and he, does. he does kind of put off the, as we call it, kind of like the Marlboro man, you know, I was trained by sniper special forces and crashing around in an ATV and, <laughs> you know, for me, the people I go big footing with and the people I hang out with, like we go out in the woods, yeah. we'd be quiet, we hang out, we listen, yeah. we observe and it, and for the casual person who's maybe interested in Bigfoot or is not convinced when they see kind of the persona and show that he puts on, it can be kind of a turnoff. I, I wondered about this for a long time because it's, um, I thought, does this man just present badly? This, this, sometimes the easiest way to tell a lie is to mix a lot of truth with it, right? right. So Embellishment. So. That's the appearance that I get that there's a lot of truth in the presentation of what's happened. And it wasn't, I actually didn't really start doubting him until I saw the Discovering Bigfoot documentary and I saw the devil face Bigfoot. I thought, that just looks like a guy with uh, latex makeup. Yeah. Latex makeup on with me. And, and then when you tried to sue me, that's when, you know, I really lost. He tried to sue you? Well, okay. I did a review when my channel was really tiny. I think I had seven or 800 subscribers. Wow. I did a review on his Discovering Bigfoot documentary. <laughs> and I said I liked some parts of it and other parts yeah. I didn't. I said that um, uh, parts of his photo evidence I didn't think were believable. Although I think some parts of it with Meldrum and Bender Nagel and um, some of the nighttime things I think were good. I, and I got a lot of hate and a lot of support on both sides. Yeah, it seems um, right in the middle. Yeah, but then you and I thought I was being pretty objective. Like I didn't throw everything out. Um, I just said there were some things like his photo evidence I didn't like. 
Well, they filed a copyright claim and put <sighs> a strike against my YouTube channel. Oh. And they did this to a bunch of different YouTubers, too. I heard the about same this. Thing. Yeah. And then I got emails, and then I got a phone call from Alchemy Studios, who was his production people, that um, just let it go. Don't try to fight the copyright strike. You use imageries. And I'm like, it's fair use. It's a movie review. How many millions of reviews like literally millions of only that his images have been all over the internet for 10 years yeah so i i was just like look i'm being objective and the people i spoke to from his friend i mean they were nice enough and they were like you know hey we're, we're not trying to you know silence our critics or anything you just use images without our permission and blah 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 right. and i was just kind of like i kind of just like well that guy's kind of off my list yeah, um, no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you totally. You know, I actually had somebody, uh, I had, had the um, the head of FX uh, for Noah, The Hobbit, and, and several other um, big movies. Actually, she's a friend of my wife's. And both she's, great effects in those movies, by the way. Uh, yeah, I mean, she was the head of those departments, basically. And I said, look, I know you've got no interest in Bigfoot whatsoever. And then she, obviously, you know, she clarified what Bigfoot was to me <laughs> first and asked me what I meant by that. And I said, could you look at this movie, these points with these creatures, you know, Teddy Bigfoot, Teddy Squatch, the, um, uh, the, the junior one that's, one that's supposed to be him in the mask, and then one at the, the end. Muppet. The, yeah, the, yeah. the Muppet, Teddy Squatch, <laughs> and the, um, the Devil Squatch. I said, could you just give me a review of it as a special effects person to say, could this be done? And if so, what's the kind of quality that we're looking at here, if it could be done? And she, she looked at it, and she came back, and she said, um, I did a blog, a blog better, actually. It was called... Um, Standing alone, all on his Todd. So, and uh, uh, anyway, so she reviewed it, and um, she said, "Look, you know, this could be done. You know, especially since they don't move very much. You could get models, and um, even with makeup, and you get things layered on top, yeah. and even two D layering. You could layer the leaves two D on top. You know, that out of focus bit, it could be done." But she said, "I have to point out that the work is of high quality." And the rest of the documentary that he made is not of a similar quality to those two first two pieces of work, if they are right. work. Um, and I thought that was interesting. You know, either he had some great people do it, he doesn't have them anymore, or he um, didn't do it. And I think you know, the way he presents will basically always be the answer. You know, you can't ever really come down and say, yeah, I believe you, because of his actions. Well, and for me, there's one underlying fact. There's a couple things. Other researchers have come forward and other people have said that there were actors that were in those suits that signed non-disclosure agreements and yeah, came forward and said, that. oh, they, they thought they were making like a mockumentary or like a low-budget film or something. They didn't know yeah. that he was going to try to present it. Now, that's all hearsay, and we can just kind yeah. of put that aside. Um, the main thing for me that says that those possibly aren't real creatures, that those are not real creatures, is that if you, I've known a lot of people with really good evidence and talked to a lot of people, and as soon as they produce a picture or a video, the video comes down, they get discredited by the government, they get yeah. threatened. There's all the whole cover-up uh -huh. aspect kicks in. And if there's all these mountains of evidence of there being some kind of a cover-up and a conspiracy <laughs> and all this different stuff, and somebody came out with the clearest pictures as Tom's as, as yeah. Todd standing had, yeah. and there was none of that. There was no threats. There was no, you know, ploys to discredit. There was no taking it down. There was no, you know, something coming out. It it, it, it seemed to me that it was too good to be true. 
I think also the reaction of the of almost the entire Bigfoot community, if you want to call it that, the negative reaction was also very surprising. If this is a real deal, they should be jumping all over this, really. But instead of well, jumping on it, and it, that there was something in that as well. But I also put that down to the way he he presented. Right, he's kind of a he's kind. Of, I won't say obnoxious or arrogant. He's he's a type A personality. He's very boisterous. He's very in your yeah. face and. I can be like that sometimes too. So it's not, you okay. know, it's not calling the, the kettle black. I get it. He's an aggressive he's guy. He's the kind of person he, that would make a good passionate. military sniper, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. He's, 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 he's passionate. He has a lot of drive, but I understand yeah. how that puts off a lot of people. Sure. And the other thing that gets me is if somebody in the South of the United States, you know, cause he, he was up in Canada, you know, 1800 miles, 2000 miles away says, well, yeah. The Bigfoots in Canada don't look anything like what I saw. You could say, well, fair enough. You know, we, 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 we know there's a lot of variations. But from my experience, um, from what all the different types I've documented, and you got to think of the different types are interbreeding, or you got to think of the remote hills and woods of Canada. Yeah. From all the different accounts of reports, none of them look like what he was presenting as real. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The... <clears throat> The noses, the eyes, the hair around the face, none of, nobody describes what his looked like. Now, if you play devil's advocate and say maybe he found one tribe or one uh, isolated region where his looked completely different or something, sure. But that also kind of adds to that, like... Uh, but then he has three different appearances, of facial appearances of Bigfoot anyway. Right. and uh, none Granted of them in three like, different areas, but still. But none of them look like what people are describing as the thing. Yeah, yeah. And it, like I said, that's, that's, that's either here nor there, but it's kind of something, kind of something to consider. I sure. mean, people have been, been all over the Yukon, Canada, all over Northern United States, all over the place, seeing these creatures for thousands of years, going all the way back to the native Americans. And from the descriptions, none of them had what he was describing. They just didn't have the bulk. They didn't have the ugliness. They didn't have yeah. the look of something that was, surviving these harsh winters and scrapping it out they just looked too perfect too clean too human-like they yeah. Yeah. they looked very um new yeah like planet of the apes ish kind of thing they looked um, new. yeah exactly you know yeah. they didn't have scars and they weren't missing teeth and they weren't yeah. ugly like you would expect one of these creatures to be you know but you know like i said we we, we we could be wrong and they could be real creatures i just I just have my doubts is what it really comes down to. Well, so. I, I'd have to say that, uh, you know, ending that, that part of the conversation, I don't want to keep you on that too much, but I, I sort of said I was on the fence at one point and uh, where I am now, and, and after that point, I ended up in a, he faked some of it and the rest was genuine point. And now right, I'm just... Uh, pretty much in, where I'm at. So. Yeah, like some, there's some good footage in there somewhere for sure. Right. But I'm not sure which one it is. Uh, it's definitely oh. not the third one, that's for sure. Um, are you familiar with uh, the American sniper story, Chris Kyle? Uh, this isn't the the, um, the movie that came out a couple years ago. No, the... no, I'm familiar with the controversy with the, what's his name, the ex wrestler actor. <laughs> oh, so, with uh, Jesse Ventura. Uh, yeah, Jesse yeah. Ventura. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that that's a really great example of. Chris Kyle, the American sniper, yeah. he, he's, he's a war hero. He's the most deadliest uh, sniper in history. He saved a lot of lives. He killed a lot of people. He uh-huh. did some amazing heroic things. 
but he also got caught lying a number of times. Yeah. So it's one of those, like, we have a great heroic person who died a tragic death, yeah. who should be saluted, a, an American hero, but he was caught embellishing and lying on a number of different stories. Yeah, I, I, I'd, um, I'd reframe that to just put it this way, essentially. If you have the mental fortitude, uh, and I'll, I'll put it in a positive way, so in a negative way, uh, to kill people through a, a lens from a distance, many, many people, uh, I'm sure you can school yourself to one or two beneficial lies if your career or your, your financial prosperity depends upon it. Right. Um, and the point I was trying to make is, to me, he's still an American hero. Did he uh -huh. fib and stretch the truth oh, yeah. and okay. everything else? I get it. Yes. Um, so it's one of those, once again, you don't throw the baby yeah. out with the bathwater. You don't say, you don't just say, well, you know, he lied about getting in a fight with Jesse Ventura. He lied about being in uh -huh. Hurricane Katrina in the Superdome and shooting people. He lied about being in a number of different places at different times. Uh -huh. Um it's like, okay, you know, it's like the good doesn't wash out the bad, the bad doesn't wash out the good, so to speak. So it's kind of, it's kind of like that with Todd standing. I mean, obviously he's not, you know, he's, he's, he's not Chris Kyle, but it's the same kind of idea as a man who's done some amazing things and gone some amazing places. And maybe just out of frustration after 10 years and probably millions of dollars spent that all he has is some blurry footage and some footprints and pretty much what everybody else has when they try to, um, yeah. Um, try to research Sasquatch and maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but maybe he did decide to, you know, I think I'm going to kind of grease the wheel here a little bit and come the up bolder, with the better. Yeah, yeah. So who knows? I, to me, that's kind of my assessment sure. is that he's, that okay. he's probably got some good, he's probably got some good stuff, but at the yeah. same time, I, maybe his ego or something got away with him, but it's, I, I mean, really don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we're probably not saying anything too dissimilar to other people that would just, you just kind of already know. And now, how about yourself? Um, and I know you got there a lot. Have you found anything that's been very intriguing or, or convincing in this search uh, for prints or uh, captured photographic evidence? Uh, what kind of things have kept you going with your, your personal expeditions? Well, um, for me, it's what has really been getting on me lately the last few months. It bleeds over into, in, in, into, into some of my videos is huh. – I, I think all evidence is great, like what the real conventional guys are doing. Like yeah. um, track casts are great, uh -huh. handprints are great, tree knocks and tree structures. Uh -huh. All that stuff is great. But to me, it's kind of the, the strange aspect of Bigfoot that's really been getting me. Like in my own personal experiences, I'll spend one or two days out in the bush, you know, stepping quietly, making sure I don't make a noise, putting myself in cover scent like I'm going hunting. Uh -huh. creeping around out there in the woods, investigating, going way far back deep in the Sierras, spending all this time and not really getting any action, not getting anything. Yeah. Then, then as I'm like loading up the truck, you know, having a drink of water with the camera sitting on the car seat, not paying attention, I hear something or see something. Uh -huh. And to me, the most intriguing part about Bigfoot and this phenomenon, for me personally, I mean, other people have different, um, uh, different things happen to them. But for me, time and time again, the minute I let my guard down where I'm, I'm having a beer and grilling a steak while we're camping or something and kind of out of Bigfoot mode, I hear a knock or the trees go quiet and I hear something moving around and you get a creepy feeling. And it's like, really? Right here, right now? You know, <laughs> I, I was out there all day looking for this thing and I didn't find yeah. it. And, and for me, that's been so intriguing is like again and again and again, this seems to be happening where it's 
the closer you try to get to it, the farther you get sometimes. Yeah, and, it's just, yeah. it, it, and I, I don't want to see, say Bigfoot is paranormal or they're a demon or they're interdimensional. I think uh -huh. they're very much a flesh and blood creature. I think they Same. eat, they drink, yeah. they, they go to the bathroom. But there's a quality to these things that just can't be explained. And I mean, you ask me one day and I'll tell you that, well, maybe they're an offshoot of the Nephilim. You ask me another day and I'm like, yeah. well, well, crap, maybe there's some kind of interdimensional thing. And then another day I'm just like, well, they're just a damn dirty ape that's really sly. <laughs> so it's, you know, I go back and forth on it. And to me, that's really, you know, yeah. like, like I find all the evidence um, intriguing, uh, you know, especially since I started doing these talks for the UFO community. You know, uh -huh. when I did my presentations yeah. and to me, that was really revealing because if I go talk to a group of people about Bigfoot, just take a random 50 people, I have to spend half the presentation just trying to convince them that exists. And exactly. when you talk to UFO people, when you, when they're all into the different, you know, alien species and all these yeah. different way beyond a lot of the big stuff stuff, as far as high strangeness goes. So when you talk to a lot of UFO people, um, and alien people, people are into that about Bigfoot. They just, they don't even bat an eye. They're like, well, well yeah, yeah exactly. we, we all think Bigfoot. I mean, <laughs> you know, what's funny about that actually is um, the first talk I ever gave about cryptozoology in 2017 was to a UFO conference called Probe in the UK. Okay. It's, a, it's a very old UFO conference. Yes, it's been going for a long time. I've heard of it. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, my opening line was, when I told my wife I was going to be talking about cryptozoology to a bunch of UFO guys, she said, at last, for once, you'll be the only normal guy in the room. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's pretty much how I felt about the conference yeah. is um, I did, you know, my hour and a half presentation, which is the first presentation I'd ever given in front of a crowd. I did it two nights, one for UPARS LA, the Universal Paranormal uh, Research Group of LA, and then one for MUFON Orange County. And uh -huh. it was the same talk back to back. Um, the first time I'd ever talked to these crowds, the second time, the second night, I, I did way better because I kind of went went back and redid some of my slides and kind of yeah. had a better idea of what to say. Um, but the thing that caught me is, you know, here I am talking about 10 different types of Bigfoot when most people would be like, there's one type of Bigfoot. And these mm -hmm. guys are telling me about Bigfoots and coyotes being spies for aliens. And, you know, they're, they're, they're a, a psychic being and they're interdimensional and they're they're working with different um you know um, yeah agencies alien species. Yeah. and I, i'm just yeah. like I'm, I'm just sitting there like kind of perplexed like huh wow yeah. people are asking me these questions and i'm like uh it could be yeah. you know but but it was really refreshing to because you know you talk to skeptics all the time you just stop somebody at a coffee shop and talk to them about sasquatch and they're going to be skeptical it was really neat to kind of be on the other side of it where well it's just you know, interesting kind of, when you talk yeah. to somebody that puts you in the skeptical position because they have so much extra belief, I don't like to, to phrase, maybe that's the wrong phrasing, but they believe in something so much more unusual right. and well, extraordinary that what you're saying to them seems quite plausible and reasonable. You, you just have to go through what you found out. Right. Well, in, in the UFO world, it's mostly insiders and people coming forward yeah. and, some, and sometimes dubious uh, testimony. And you kind of feel sorry for them because they may have a few blurry photographs and a few kind of redacted documents. But uh, yeah. in the Bigfoot world, it's like we've got prints, we've got hair samples, yeah. we've got eyewitnesses. I mean, it's like what what kind of evidence do you want? We have it in the Bigfoot. World. Well, that, that's I mean, that's the um, that's something I, I saw that Jeff wrote actually um, when his colleagues criticized him. He said, you know, do um, do figments of imagination, the footprints and the um, 
know, casts and, and hair samples and, and things like that. Now, that's very, that's awesome. It's wonderful. In North America, you know, the research is really up there. It's been going for so long. But in the UK, it's a very different situation. So talking about trying to convince people about Bigfoot and having something else to get through first, even in the Bigfoot community, when you talk about Bigfoot here, you have to get through habitat requirements, food, available right. space. Right. You know, how well, could something like this live in this really urbanized society? But it's not actually a well, very okay. urbanized society. Um, I'll be completely honest with you. Um, probably years back, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, whenever. But I've always had an interest in Sasquatch. We got really serious in it some years back. And they got really, really serious the last couple of years. Up until a couple of years ago, when people say, oh, yeah, you know, they have Bigfoot sightings in, in the UK. I'm like, yeah, whatever. It was a guy in yeah. a monkey suit. Um, but then as I started, what's interesting is I started to hear more and more encounters, uh-huh. more and more evidence, and talking to more and more people in the United States, heavily populated areas, places with they lots of right people. Yeah. They, they, they come right up. And it, and it always amazes me when it, it's usually newer people that are like, oh, you got to go way back in the hills and very deep yeah. in the woods to yeah. find Bigfoot. And I'm like... No, you don't. You actually probably closer to cities is where you probably have a better chance because I think green corridors exactly. Yeah, yeah, and 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 so from that belief in America that um, these things are being found in places you wouldn't explain, kind of opened my mind to like, well, maybe there is something to the whole British Bigfoot thing. And then after a while, it went from maybe there is something to it to like, oh yeah, I believe that they got them too. Yeah, I mean, we've got them in our history, the wood woes, the world man, they're on our oh, ancient yeah. heraldry, and, and they were actually very, and on our churches, they're carved, and they're very man-ape-like looking creatures. But I actually did a, a little blog called What's With The Habitude about this particular problem. And in 2012, uh, we there was a, an assessment of the UK, it was a UK national ecosystemment, uh, ecosystem assessment, and what they discovered actually was 6.8% of UK's total land area could be classified as urban. And that included rural development and roads. Um, and, you know, when you break that down amongst the four nations, the Celtic nations, Scotland, Northern Ireland and Wales as well, which are much more underpopulated than England. Right. Even right. smaller, smaller numbers. And then they looked at the, they actually looked at then the, the 6.8% of the country that was urban, and they found 54% of that was green space, parks, and allotments, and gardens, and, you know, like little forests, and woods, and, and things like that. And because I travel around the UK a lot, and I, I look into these little nooks and crannies, you see these roots along the motorways, you see this, this vast expanse of space that nobody's in. But if you live in a city like London, or Manchester, or, or Bristol, perhaps, you could be forgiven for thinking that we live in this massive urban environment even people here struggle with the concept i says no it's not like that at all you well, know it's uh it's really underpopulated and untenanted for, for a large proportion uh, of the space that we have anyway well and it's kind of the same thing like in los angeles the the, the city close by to me i mean there's like 15 yeah. million people in the greater los angeles area uh-huh. but you could drive 45 minutes out of town and be in an area that's really sparse that no there one's around and, and has bigfoot activity you know yeah. they're talking one of the major population hubs in the world and you know you're a half hour 45 minute drive from where people have had encounters that are still really wild in woodlands like all the wildfires we had to go through recently. Um, yeah. Some of these areas are, 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 are so rugged, they couldn't get people to them to fight them. Wow. So, 
Um, yeah, it, it just seems to be kind of the same thing like all over the world. These big population yeah. centers, you don't have to go too far away to get into some rough country where these things could make a life. And for me, the classic rule is if there are water sources and there are deer and there are coyotes, it could probably support a Bigfoot. Uh-huh. And uh, um, yeah, it's like, the, I mean, from somebody who's never been to the United Kingdom before, just from what I've seen on TV, like you, you know, like we watch Doc Martin, we watch Top Gear and stuff. Like oh, that. yeah. And, yeah. And, and when you see these shows like Top Gear, they go on a road trip and it's like, and you see them driving through the English countryside and going up oh, to Scotland and Ireland, and you're like, "Wow, there's actually a lot of big open spaces." You just, don't think of and it. That's you just think, all you're all you're seeing is the view from the motorway. You're not seeing the whole thing there. That's just oh, what you can exactly. see from the road with exactly. never-ending fields and hills and forests. It's it's amazing to me, really. I mean, like, I, I ran the figures uh, on our, our livestock on deer species on you know, 34 plus million rabbits roaming the country. We've got this big cat problem that we've had since the late 70s. They're seen everywhere now all over the country and they're surviving pretty well and rarely being seen. And they are seen frequently, but they're not seen a lot or as much as they should be you know, based upon the possible numbers that are out there. I think something that's intelligent, something that's always been here and understands us and the way we work, similarly in, in America, um, would be able to, to most of the time skirt around where we are without uh, making itself known. And also similarly to yourself, uh, you know, the people that do see them, you mentioned this earlier, uh, they're incidental witnesses, they're people who aren't looking. And I think the reason for that is looking looks like hunting. And when you know the forest like your own, like we know our own back garden, you see when something is unusual, when there's a trail cam, when somebody's moving towards you looking for something and you move away if you're an intelligent animal and um anyway if you think that nobody's paying attention maybe you come in and have a, a little look right and that and, seems you know perfect ape-like behavior to me right and and i think i think there is something to um something non-conventional like a sixth sense or like uh you know like like how as a human being you can get the feeling of being watched even yeah. if it is a camera or Absolutely. something yeah. Um, or you, you get creeped out in an old building. I mean, you live in the UK. There's a million old buildings and churches and places yeah. that are creepy over there. Um, well, same thing here in a, creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, the old Gothic style. It's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> um, I also think that these creatures have something like that from just call it through evolution or through other means or some kind of creation or some something in these creatures where they know it, where I, I think the dad who's on a road trip, who stops on the side of the road to go, to go relieve himself in the bushes next to his, you know, his, his truck and looks up and sees something staring at him. You yeah. know, I, I think that's, you're either catching the Bigfoot off guard or you're both being caught off guard yeah. or it's sometimes I think in a lot of cases, them showing themselves is like, Hey, get the hell out of here. Well, yeah, you know? I think, yeah, you're, you're on my packs. We had, um, Occasionally, I don't have the, the full sighting here uh, in front of me, actually. This was about, I think this was a, in the 90s at some point, and a, a lady had come home in the, sort of a rural setting, a semi-rural setting. She'd come home from a, you know, a night in the, the town, and she got off the bus, and she decided it was a long walk home, and she was going to relieve herself in the bushes. And she went into the bushes, and this big, orangey, auburn-colored creature that was, she said, very emaciated and man-like, Huge seven feet tall reached out and snarled and tried to grab her. And she Probably ran off and it didn't. Well, well, you know, it didn't chase her. Um, and there are no, there are actually no 
there's lots of bluff charge and intimidation here, uh, and I did a little blog about that too, but there are no attacks. And there's actually one very interesting uh, story about some children being run out of a forest by a Bigfoot here uh, from the other side of a river, and one of them falls and turns around to see that it's, it's, um, it's halted the chase. It's not chasing him anymore. It's just standing at a distance waiting. So there was no real intention of harm other than get out. Right. Get out of my patch. Um, I think um, I would agree with that. I would say nine times out of ten, uh, maybe 95 times out of 100. They just want you to leave them alone. Like, yeah. oh, crap, the humans saw me. They know humans are bad news. They know they have guns and they know that they have dogs and they know that they have these strange equipment that they bring with them and they know that they have lights that can light up at night. Yeah. They, know that, they know that humans have fire. So most of the time, the majority of the time, I think they're just trying to get you out of there or scare you out of there. Um, but I do think like a lot of times bears false charge people to scare them off. But occasionally yeah. bears are man-eaters. And I think with these That's creatures, right. yeah. Yeah. especially here in North America, if we look back to a lot of the Native American tales, you look at Missing 411 and some very oh. impressive encounters, like yeah. I, I think the majority of the time they're just trying to either avoid you or scare you off. But every once in a while you get one that's like, I could eat that human, you know, or maybe think, you saw too much. With an know? omnivorous animal, I think it's, it's very possible uh, that well, each animal people, is an so. in, as an individual so yeah, exactly. i saw this study on great white sharks and some woman was free swimming with them and she said no no not that one get out of the water he's very aggressive they got out and then right. the female came in later no she's really nice and like, let's get back in the water i said they knew that these individuals were very different it's the same shark right but to us well, as humans we don't think of animals as individuals do we we think well bears act like this and tigers act like that and and that's just well, the way of the world well, if you study primates at all, uh, especially Jane Goodall and mm. Diane Fossey, it was the exact same way. They're like, yeah. these two gyps are gentle, funny, you know, kind of pranksters. That one over there wants to kill me, you know, yeah. and <laughs> we're talking about like chimpanzees and then much less well, gorillas. They, they can kill you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, there's a, a lot of stuff like that. It's, it's the same thing with bears. And you hear that a lot in Bigfoot encounters, especially in habituation sites or where families have had a homestead for many generations and they've had families of Bigfoots and they're like, oh yeah, the tall skinny one and the short fat one are friendly, but the big giant red one in the back, he's really mean, you know, or he, or, or that one creeps me out, but the other two that come around, I don't have a yeah. problem with. You hear perfect. that all the time. Yeah. You know? It makes, makes perfect sense. Um, and of course, at different times of the years uh, of the year, animals have different needs. And just before winter, animals want to pack on more pounds. Now, as I said, we've never really had those stories of, of attack here, but some stories of in, intimidation. I think the environment is, is very different as well. There's no official predators in this land, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of game. There's a lot of um, wild berries and roots, so the food isn't really scarce at any point whatsoever. Right. And I don't think and there would be an issue, and I think that's the same reason why we haven't had any big cat attacks here, even though they seem to be quite numerous now because there's plenty to eat right and um that you also got to understand there's from from what i've seen you know way better than me because you live there there seems to be a lot of farming and agriculture going on but actually uh, only, only 25 percent of the country or 25 percent of the uh the non-urban space is actual arable crops the rest well, is rough grazing that's still quite a bit though i mean especially here in america like 
I don't doubt that these things every now and then would take a lamb or a goat or oh, yeah, sure. yeah. steal some carrots. Or maybe they range to some really remote areas, but every couple of weeks they come down and pick apples, you know, or, or a couple times a year if they're really, you know, things are getting cold and game is getting really scarce, they probably come down and steal a goat or something, you know, or a sheep or a calf. Well, I mean, there's there's thousands of sheep kills that are blamed on dogs every year in this country. So, um, and we've got 30 million plus sheep, I think, um, in the land. It's a lot of sheep. It's a lot of sheep. 10 million of them are in Wales, where I come from. We have a a population of 3.5 million people. So (laughs) that's where the rumor comes from. Anyway, uh, about us and sheep. There was <laughs> not true. I can I can confirm it's not true. Well, um, I'll yeah, tell you. Um, um, I'll tell you. If the sheep ever want to rise up, you guys are screwed. Oh, oh we're pretty much screwed anyway. I mean, you, you get this little <laughs> country. I mean, Wales is. Uh, I think it's four point six percent of Wales is is urban. It's a very even the capital city Cardiff, where I come from. It's it's less than a million people. It's been four hundred fifty thousand right. people. Um, so we're a very small nation. You know, one of the. Uh, the joke is, is that we're one of the smallest ethnic minorities in the UK, including people who've come to the country since. <laughs> right. You know, it's one of those situations. So it's it's mostly, it's very hilly. It's very hilly and, and woody and, um, and wet. And so it's all on the coast. It's just one of those things you're driving down the road sometimes and then there's a, you know, there's a, a herd of sheep being marched down to the next field and you just sit and wait till they all go past. Well, there is no way around it. It's actually like that through a lot of the U.S., a lot, even in California, especially all through Utah and Idaho, especially in Montana, oh. you, and you, even in parts of Alaska, too. You go back down all these dirt roads, there are these old country roads or barely paved roads and all these farmlands, and there's just cows that just wander across the road. Or you'll be out. My uncle's a forest ranger. He's, he's, he's now retired, but I remember going with him in deep, deep back in the hills of Montana, you know, where it was like, an hour drive on a highway and then 45 minutes of bumpy dirt roads and then um, a, a two hour hike to go survey some yeah, trees. Like great yeah. And you're just way in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you're like, you know, probably an hour from the nearest farmhouse and there'd just be a random cow would come walking through the bushes. You know, it would be look pretty gnarly looking <laughs> and it had a brand on it. It belonged to somebody, but yeah. it was just, and I, I guess that was kind of a problem, much less besides the bears and everything else is feral cows and feral bulls. Um, live a pretty hard life out there so mm. you know they've been known to chase people too oh, but yeah. yeah yeah it was just very strange just to be out in the middle of what you see nowhere and you're just comes this like mangy looking cow wandering through you know yeah, have to be careful <laughs> definitely i mean if i if i was passing a field full of cows here i wouldn't go into that field they, they often stampede people you know as a protective measure as well especially if they're calves around they might come for you and you know, it's like a ton and a half or whatever it weighs i don't i'm not really sure half a ton that's gonna kill you <laughs> so, yeah well it, and yeah. and for me the big point is if you're a bigfoot and you're out in the middle of nowhere and this mangy old cow walks by oh, yeah, why sure. why wouldn't you eat it yeah you know yeah. um maybe the, or maybe on the other side of it though that they've learned if they take a few cows then the farmers come out looking with guns and it draws too much attention so maybe they don't do that unless they're really desperate you know because um, no, I, 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 I i think these creatures priority one other than eating and surviving is avoiding people. At least that's what it seems like. It so. seems to be the same way here as well. I mean, I was, I was a real doubter about this phenomenon here in the UK for a long time until I, I started looking at the, the witness sightings. And 
there are sightings of them chasing deer as well um, around the, the country. There was one I was just going to mention very briefly in Staffordshire in England uh, in the 80s. And uh, somebody forced, you know, they, were, they had to break the car to, to avoid this huge stag, this huge deer that crossed the road. And, you know, they were, it was followed by what looked like a, a large chimpanzee came bounding after it. And halfway across the road, it looks directly at the couple and starts to charge their vehicle. And uh, the guy in the car, he, he stalls the car. <laughs> you know, he so said, they're stuck there. And for the next 20 seconds, it just keeps charging them again and again. And they say it was like oh, a geez. giant chimp on two legs. Uh, bipedal and just was so angry at them and then finally you know bounded off in the direction that the stag went um, wow that's so that's, few... that's a pretty incredible story the, yeah uh, I mean the thing that strikes me and you keep repeating is what percentage would you say people describe them as being very chimpanzee like would uh, you say roughly I think it's low actually I think that's in the two to three percent and this is the issue I have because some oh, of wow. the so they don't. So the majority don't look like chimpanzees. We no, no, they oh, don't. Okay. Most people say they look like um, uh, look like a an ape with the body of a man, very large and muscular, um, like with, a mountain gorilla blown up on two legs, right? Yeah, like, but with this man, like a King Kong type thing, like right? a King Kong with this man-like face that often has a separation of features, you know, nose and mouth, but with a wide jutting jaw, very uh, wide jutting jaw. Uh, some people describe sort of less of a uh, um, uh, less hair around the top of the chest, and others describe it just being hairy all over, um, right. but having less of a hairy face. That they tend to not have a very hairy face here, mostly most of the time, anyway. Um, but there's that's the, fascinating. Yeah, and the problem again is, as I described, is because people don't have picture on the brain here. They're often using something from their mental library to describe what they saw instead of giving it an accurate description. So when they say chimp, right. I just think that's all they could put to it when they saw it. This is 1986, and nobody's going to even know about Bigfoot here. Well, um, and you actually find that in the U.S. up until probably the mid-'90s, um, Bigfoot wasn't really in a lot of people's lexicon, or they heard of Bigfoot and they thought there was one in the Pacific Northwest. Uh -huh, exactly. so, when, so, when they, so when they saw one in Texas or in Kentucky, or, you know, Louisiana or something. They didn't think it was a Bigfoot. They just thought it was some hairy monster, you know? And um, it's only in the last few years that people see them all over the place now associated with Bigfoot. So. No, I, I think that's, that, that sounds very, you know, very, very similar uh, to what we have here. Of course, even amongst the, the researchers here in the UK, the concept of Bigfoot is still very, very taboo. The other cryptozoologists or fortunes, I suppose, especially, uh, would like to think of it more as a, a paranormal thing. But of the right. 460, 70 sightings we have, they will all have very animalistic behaviors. So they're old with young, they're, they're chasing prey, they're eating things, they're doing animal-like things as they right. go about their day. And they don't seem to be very um, you know, paranormal in nature to me. There was one thing I wanted to ask you about, actually, which was, um, have you done any work uh, regarding uh, cases of infrasound? People have experienced some sort of what they would describe as, as infrasound uh, involved with um, their interactions with these creatures. Not where I, okay, I, I have had a few people contact me that have experienced strange things that seem to be on par with infrasound where they felt a sudden uh -huh. fear or they felt really hot on a cold day. Oh, yeah. um, 
or they got a really bad headache in an area or they yeah. would go. I had one person tell me that they would go hiking in a certain area and every time they got passed down around the bend of the one corner in this rarely used trail, they got a headache and creeped out. Every time they went in there, they got a headache uh-huh. and they got super creeped out. And for me, I'm like, well, it's probably a Bigfoot using some kind of infrasound to drive you off without yeah. having to resort to a physical means. Um, but as far as direct research, um, for a long time, I worked in maintenance and building engineering okay. and worked a lot around giant air handlers and chiller units and uh, pumps and all every kind of major equipment you yeah. can um, think of for manufacturing. And when you get into higher levels of engineering, especially in building structures, there's a whole subcategory for ultrasound and infrasound. Um, Because say you've got, you know, a 10-story building with a bunch of machines on top that heat and cool the place. Um, The top floor could be right above the CEO's office, could be some giant machine running, spinning away up there. And that guy is always getting headaches or always feeling cold or always feeling with an upset stomach or something. And it turns out that that machine is spinning and reacting with the metal it's mounted to and reacting with the building to produce a very slight frequency that you can't hear, but you can feel, and it's making you feel sick. And it's a, it's a real phenomenon, and it's a common thing. And elephants and large crocodiles and tigers yeah. and all, the animal kingdom, whales too, they, they've already, they already know that they can produce infrasound. And some of them can use it to, like whales and stuff, can use it to stun fish and things. So you get a very large upright primate, you know, eight, nine, 10 feet tall with four, five, six, seven, eight hundred pounds with huge lung capacity. And it's like, sure, I, I could see that being plausible. Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, we did have, <clears throat> I investigated here in the UK. Of course, there's, there's tales of people feeling uneasy, but you can also put that down to um, being aware of something, watching you and then having an experience afterwards of one of these creatures. And I also uh, listened to one or two of the yaoihunters.com um, sightings of, of people having interactions with yowie and having this uneasy or very unusually terrified feeling before suddenly seeing one uh here there was a researcher actually uh here called neil young uh, up in harwood forest and himself and another guy called neil robson they've been looking for uh bigfoot up there for a long time neil's had two sightings so always up in this big forest and you know putting their recorders down and i think they had the zoom h4n recorder probably and they went to this area and anyway neil said you know what um i suddenly got really really creeped out and so did the other neil but both neils and we decided to leave and go back and sleep in the car and leave the recorder and come out in the morning but we had planned because we had had activity in this area to stay here he said we didn't know why we left but we left we just sort of said no i don't feel right let's go and we came back the next day and they found they had recorded some infrasound uh, which i've got a recording of on on this um on this this zoom uh, h4n recorder and it's very it's very low it's, you know, it's below 20 hc it's it's very interesting there's nothing wow. out in our forest that could make that we know of that could make that sound and also for a hardcore researcher like neil one of the first in the uk has been out there since 2002 to say no i'm not sticking around tonight well let's go back and, and leave the area where we're having activity is unusual so i felt like and he did too that you know, this had been used against them and against their better senses as researchers to say, wait a minute, we're getting some activity and some infrastructure. Let's stay. They left without knowing why. And that to me is very interesting. Yeah. And and I think just in general human psychology, if you get, 
disoriented or suddenly mm. tired or confused, your first reaction is to kind of go back to a safe place, your car, your campsite, yeah. sit yeah. down. Yeah. So I, I think just even if you start feeling weird or uneasy, your very first reaction is to leave and go to what is some kind of a relative safety, like your car, your tent, your house, your hotel room. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I think there's just the, and if these creatures exploit that, I think that they know that and they've probably been using it for thousands of years that maybe, maybe they're not making the direct connection of, I make these noises and it, I'm producing this noise to make them um, go back to where they came from to flee uh-huh. to safety. All they know is they make the noise or do whatever and it makes them get all weird and hesitant yeah. and go away, you know? As a desired effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like the same way tigers and other things use it, you know? Because, um, you know, like crocodiles use infrasound, and they have tiny little brains. They're not actively thinking, well, if I hit this one frequency right, this one guy <laughs> over here is going to do this. No, they just make the noise, and they, they, they like, see the reaction of it. So, yeah, it's uh, the whole infrasound thing, and there's other people thinking that um, – it might not necessarily be infrasound. It might be something more like maybe something more like electromagnetic because, you know, all human beings are basically okay. and all animals are like an electrical system. So maybe it could be some kind of EMP or something. Oh, so people that, are thinking that's the same reason that cameras malfunction and, and other things. Right, right, right. That they have some kind of a way of um, controlling you know, something else or in conjunction with infrasound, you know, I mean, it, it could be, who knows? I mean, we, there's just so little, we don't know about these. Things. Yeah. No, I agree. And, 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 and I think that leads to, especially here in America, the government cover up is I think that there's, I don't know what it is, but there's something to these creatures that doesn't make sense in nature, either whether it be infrasound or electromagnetic or some kind of psychic ability or something very strange. Mm-hmm. We don't get. So that, do you think that your, your government is, is covering up um, evidence of, their, uh, of these animals, that they are aware of it? Uh, absolutely. I, I, this is, by the way, I'm only questioning you on this because this is an area I know nothing about. Because the classic British cover-up, as we have with the big cats, for example, is just to say nothing. That's their cover-up because it's like the English power of um, diminishing the importance of something. You just don't mention it. And that's what happens with our big cats. So there's a big cat sighting. The government's also for comment or the local wildlife you know, um, officers or, or, or the council, and they, they say nothing. And well, that's, that's kind of like, well, that it's, it's, seems like a classic British thing. Like, oh, hmm. my God, did, did, did the queen just pass gas? Don't say anything. Yeah. It's the queen, you know? Like, that's it seems like, the, like that's kind of the, 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 the classic British is – you know, we just kind of carry on. We don't say anything, and you know, we, we just do. don't talk about them. But, but no, you're, you're right. In in that sense, we don't. But it's even for something. If you and there are plenty of bits of film of big cats and, and photographs and oh, yeah. prints as well uh, in the UK. But if you mention it, tons of them. Cat, even a big cat, even a big cat, people that you know will think you're quite strange for having that experience. And I think as a very conservative society, and I know the Canadians suffer with the same phenomenon uh cultural phenomenon as well people here don't want to go on record even for for big cats never mind bigfoot or anything else like that but sorry you were saying about the government and the reason you you think it's covered up i interrupted you oh well i I think that kind of goes along too. kind of a little sidebar there is in a lot of areas in the united states and the vast majority of people in the united states they're driving home late at night and they see a bigfoot run across the road they're not going to tell anybody most yeah. of the people that come to me with encounters, 99.9% of them, they don't want their real name or their profession. No way. 
Yeah. And it's a lot like that, especially in very rural areas, people that live out in the country and farmers and everything else, mm-hmm. um, especially in the, the United States where they've had, oh, yeah, my great grandfather talked about these creatures. We know we've always known they're there. We leave them alone. They leave us alone. And they just kind of accept it. They don't talk about it, you know, other than maybe, you know, don't go out at night kind of a thing. You know, the boogeyman will get you. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's, it's very classic all over the place, maybe even more so in, in England because it seems less plausible on, on the yeah. surface that you guys would have it's a It's not even in the vernacular, people's vernacular. We, we had a, another sighting here that was passed to me uh, in the Black Country, which is kind of around where Birmingham is, in, in the center of the country there. And okay. uh, one of our Bigfoot researchers was up there, you know, sort of checking out a, a pathway, just actually walking in the wild. So he's also heavily into wildlife, checking on some owl boxes that he'd put up there. And he had one of these gone squatching T-shirts on. And um, he saw an old man walking a dog. And the guy said, do you, you know, do you believe that? And um, he said, yes. He said, well, meet me in the, the cafe later. He went to meet this guy with his wife. And they were told him about how they were, stalked in this same forest uh here um i think for several minutes you know while they were walking the dog by a large bipedal hairy man that was ducking behind trees and and following them and they'd never heard about this phenomenon they don't even use the internet you know they're very old right um and they live in this small rural town in the countryside who they're going to tell and and once they told them about what happened you know they, they managed to get out of the forest they took a path out and they looked back and it was in the, the doorway, you know, the entrance to the oh, deeper canopy looking at it. And <laughs> yeah, it was scary. seven feet tall, you know, all black, covered in hair, couldn't see you know, the face exactly. Um, and and it, this man's wife was breaking down and saying, you know, I'm so glad I can tell somebody about this. We thought we were, we were mad. We couldn't right. tell anybody. And I thought that's very interesting, you know, how many other rural people or People in these small towns see something like that. They were an old person. They were a dog walker. You know, they're, or they were a teacher or somebody professional, uh, oh, oh, police. Yeah. You know, a judge. Who are you going to tell? Nobody. Right, right. Um, and I often thought about the same thing myself. You know, when we've been out there talking about that Todd Standing effect again, I always joke to people when we're going out looking for things. Let's hope we don't find anything because if we do, we're finished. <laughs> right. Uh, well, well, that's always like um, when I take friends out with me and like my whole uh, YouTube channel, they're like, oh, so what are you going to do if you get good, clear, you know, video or photos of Sasquatch? And I'm like, think very, very, very hard before <laughs> I actually released it. And yeah. but then it, but then if I made a video saying, hey, I've got wonderful, great, clear footage, but I'm not going to release it. That's going to yes. piss people off even more. Oh, no Nobody's going to be happy with that. But in, in, and even if I did have you know, good, clear footage of a, the, the other thing with Todd standing stuff is a good, clear body shot where you could see yeah, the proportions because that would be better. Yeah. Where you could see, Hey, the arm length doesn't match a guy in a suit, the, the, the waist to where the knees and the hips and the bone build and the structure and the mass of yeah. it. And like a you patty. see, like in the, fi- yeah, yeah. Like the famous Patterson Gimlin film. Yeah. Um, that's what people always say Patty's fake. And I'm like, there's no way it's fake. No Once way. you start looking at the proportions and the mass of it and how it was walking, it's like, there's no mistake. Musculature. Yeah, so nothing else. Oh yeah. So if, if I had like Patterson Gimlin type quality footage, yeah. I would have to think very long and hard about what I did Dang. with it. And then when you start yeah. getting back to the government cover up thing, there's lots of stories of people, 
having them on their property and people coming out going, yeah, you saw a bear if you know what's good for you. And, wow. um, or, or people, researchers having good evidence and it disappearing off their laptops or they produce this good ev- evidence and it disappears or their evidence gets discredited or they're, you know, your classic, like your phone conversations and people are following them around and, you know, their wife or they get pulled over all the time for seemingly nothing yeah. on the highway and just kind of general harassment. So if I Weird had really stuff. great, yeah. yeah. So if I had really great footage, I would have to think long and hard on what to do with it. You know, I I, I feel the same. I mean, you've got children. I've I've got children as well, and um, right. uh, you know, they they think they're five and two at the moment. They think it's really cute. The daddy's going out looking for the yeti. That's what they call it. Going <laughs> looking for the yeti. Daddy, are are you going to find the yeti this weekend? Yes. You know, I'm going to find a yeti. And it's that's very cool. Very, you know, it's just a very curious thing, and I, I think very carefully about. Well, actually, if I was going to make such a claim, I would have to consider that. And I often thought that actually, probably, what I would do is release it anonymously on many, many platforms, so it could just spread around, you know, with a background and just, just let it be there, uh, and but not attached to me, because if it's about evidence and everybody else can sort of fight it out as they go along and i don't have to suffer for them um right my family more more correctly wouldn't have to suffer for it Uh, but what i on another point you with in regards to your government um possibly covering these things up why do you think they would cover it up i don't understand that that reason i think it's a many-tiered reason kind of like why do you clean your house or why do you keep your car cleaned? Why do you brush your teeth? There's, there's, there's more than one obvious reason for why you do these okay. things. And I think with the government, the United States government, and probably to a lesser extent, the Canadian government, um, is just the very superficial things is that if they came out with the truth of it, they would say, well, what's the habitat of these creatures? There would have to be protections. Yeah. It would go against the logging industry, the I tourist industry. National parks, we need to research, we need to fund these things. And that's a very low level. Then I think somewhere in between there, there's a, okay, well, if these things are very large, they could be potentially dangerous. Uh My so-and-so went missing last year. And three years ago, this guy went missing and this guy went missing. And all these missing people and all these attacks that were done by a quote-unquote unknown animal in parts of the countries that don't have bears, it would really start to raise a lot of suspicion. And I think the government would be responsible or sued uh liability wise for having so it's just easier to, to keep storm basically and and keep the status quo as it is you know with, right. with the um the nut cases like us you know the alleged nut cases go out looking for these things and nobody believes them they're, they're private grown-up boy hobby and exactly. the government keeps exactly. saying well you know it's like aliens you know flat flat earthers that kind of thing right right and um um I think at the very top, though, I think there's something about these creatures. Like, I don't know what it is, but there's something about these creatures that um, the government doesn't want us to know. More so than threatening logging and tourist industry. More so than missing sure. people. And, there's another aspect. And it, and it, yeah, there's, there's, there's something else there. I don't know what it is. Um, you hate to use the word paranormal or supernatural or something ability or some kind of creation or going back biblically. There's, there's, there's something, yeah. there's some kind of a big mystery to these things. Well, it's like I, I said, always I, make I, the point about, um, uh, you talking about supernatural things, you know, but the first person to see, uh, uh, an octopus, you know, mask itself against a rock would have thought that was a magical power, but now we oh, understand yeah. how it works or chameleon changed color. It's not magic. We know how it works, but it would appear to be supernatural to the uninitiate. Right. Well, well like if, 
you grew up your entire life in England in the Middle Ages, and you went to um, Australia for the first time, uh-huh. and no one told and no one told you about saltwater crocodiles. You'd be like, "There's a damn dragon here," you a know? Dragon. Yeah, it, or yeah. or a serpent or whatever you want to call it. Kangaroos. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this uh, giant a two-legged giant. rat. That ju- <laughs> that, that, a giant mouth that jumps. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, yeah, okay, buddy. Yeah, sure, there you, know? <laughs> you saw it, a six-foot-tall mouse. Okay, carry on. It was jumping. Okay, I'm with you. Yeah, okay, sure. All the guys yeah, in the white coats. Um, that's what I yeah, love it, about um, cryptids, by the way. It's the ones that have been found. So when you talk about the giant squid, for instance, I always say to people, yeah, that was the kraken. Until a few years oh, ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was the cracking it out. We've got footage, everything. They wash up on the beach. It's like, yeah. And you see one in the museum. Oh, look, giant squid. That's the same as saying, like, oh, look, Bigfoot. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, it's it's that amazing. It was that extraordinary. And yet, it's just passe now. You know, it's um, it's part of the, it's part of the taxa. You know, it's it's um, it's in the books. And that's, well, it, that's amazing. Know, it, it, it was the same thing with mountain gorillas 120, uh-huh. 130 years That's ago. And they were like uh, mm. these big giant monkey things that live in the woods that are man-like but are three and 400 pounds. They're like, yeah, okay. Ridiculed. They were ridiculed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, it, it's pretty – I mean, I've got a couple of Sasquatch T-shirts and stuff like that. And it's kind of funny something similar to happen. We had a little um, – our Tustin Tiller days. It's like a local community carnival fair where they have oh, concerts okay. and foods and – you know, Excellent. carnival games and all that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I was down there one day, me and my wife, and I think we were getting nachos or a hot dog, you know, something very classic American there, you know, uh, junk food. And um, okay. I'm standing there in line and there's a guy with his two kids in front of me. And he's like, I'm wearing a Bigfoot t-shirt. And he's like, oh, Bigfoot. And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I could tell he was being kind of, you know, yeah, being kind of, being kind of smart about it. He's like, oh, have you ever seen Bigfoot? And I'm like, you know, I don't know this guy and I'm trying to be nice. I'm like, yeah, I've had a couple of strange encounters in the woods. And, and I, he said, oh, yeah. And I said, I, I've actually got a YouTube channel about it. And this is when I was first starting out. Uh-huh. And he looked at me and he was a bit older. He was probably in his early 50s. He was kind of a dad, kind of a no nonsense, you know, yeah. nine to five kind of a general guy. And he just kind of looked yeah. at me in a very adult tone, like, you know, <laughs> they don't exist. Right. You know, like, 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 like with the most certainty, like. <laughs> Like, like, no, there's no monster in your closet. You know, no, there's no monster come under on. the bed. Yeah, come on, yeah, baby you, boy. Come on yeah, now yeah, and join us up here on the on the adult table. It's time you yeah. definitely think these things. Listen, what's really funny about that is um, when I post these uh, blogs out now again, so I'm doing a six-part series on the British Bigfoot at the moment. So I post the blog, and, I, and I, um, so I've done the first two, and I, I post it on all the Bigfoot pages. That's the only other thing I, that's the only thing I ever share on everything. I share this on everything, so I, I like to bring feedback. I love the people that say, "Sorry, pal, there is no British Bigfoot. Get over it." And I'm just like, and I always say, "Thank you for that compelling piece of evidence. I'll take it under advisement." You know? I get that. I get that all the time, even yeah. here, even, even here in the United States. Um, yeah. I get that all the time. So much so that a couple months ago, I made a video called "Bigfoot Compelling Evidence" because. I'd, I'd, I'd make some theory video about like, are they the Nephilim or something? And I got to remind people just because I make a video about it, it isn't yes. what I personally believe. I'm just exploring a topic. Investigation. Right, right, right. It's not necessarily what I believe, but this is kind of what the consensus of what's going on concerning this theory. Anyway, and I'll 
just get somebody like, well, why are you talking about Nephilim or, 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 or even the 10 different types or the four or four different types when there's no such thing as Bigfoot in the first place? Yeah. And I just got so frustrated of going, yeah, footprints, hair samples, DNA samples, oh. scat, photographic evidence, video evidence, irrefutable audio evidence, yeah. tens of thousands of years of native traditions, modern day witnesses from all walks of life. I'm like, yeah, there's no evidence here, buddy. You know, I mean, <laughs> I just got, it's just really frustrating because it, it, it shows their ignorance, not yours, really well, quick. It's just about, listen, um, I, I'm, I'm an adult. I know what's real and what's not real. And I'm just letting you know here, by the way, that what you think is real is not real. You're wasting your time. And it's it's a very strange thing to say to somebody because it, obviously it's very aggressive. And, the, and on the internet, of course, people feel bolder. And oh, yeah. Um, what did I say to one guy one time? I said, listen, only assholes comment. And then I said, oops, I've commented too. So I guess we're on the same plane here. And it's, right. you know, it's just one of these funny things that people just eh, get up. You're not feeling too good. Some guy posts something. Oh, it irritates me. I'll just give him a bit oh, of a does. verbal kicking oh, yeah. here. And, and you know, <laughs> give this guy a verbal kicking and be on my way. Happy days. And that's what you're, you're dealing with most of the time. I, I normally do one reply. You know, if it's reasonable, the, the initial uh, question. And then if it's, you can tell if it's going a bit sour and they say, okay, you know, let's leave it here. Thanks for getting in touch, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, it's a funny thing, you know, essentially, if this was the 19th century, you're an explorer. You're going out there trying to find new things, right? Right. Um, and surely that's admirable. If nothing else, you're out there in the forest enjoying yourself and being a part of nature, you know, and respecting it. So that's a good thing in itself. Even if you find nothing, you've well, that's, been out uh, of the woods this whole time. Well, that's, uh, you, you know, how some people go camping or rock climbing or backpacking yeah. or, or hunting or paintballing or yeah. whatever it is that they like to go do outdoors. For, for me, that's a lot what it is, too. It's a chance to go out with my buddies and go explore the woods, have a beer, grill a steak, tell some stories. We're all married with kids and everything else. Yeah. And work so it's a, it's a chance for us to kind of get away and bigfoot is kind of an excuse to do that i mean we want to do some research we want to look into this we're fascinated by it but it's also an excuse to get together and do this stuff you know and uh just 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 kind of like um if you like hiking it's like well bigfooting is essentially hiking with some investigation you yeah, know exactly <laughs> and uh but but going back to what you said about um internet comments it was yeah. really interesting. Oh. I was listening to this, uh, the psychological profiles about internet. And psychologically, when you get a compliment in real life, like someone says, hey, you look nice today, or have you uh -huh. lost weight? Or, oh, you know, um, I saw your video in person, and they say, I really loved it. You feel, well, thank you. You feel good about yourself. Okay. When someone gives you a compliment online, it does not have the same effect as it does in person. It's just it really? doesn't stimulate. Yes, it doesn't stimulate the endorphins and the serotonin oh, and all the good stuff. But a negative comment online oh, okay, has the same has the same <laughs> effect as somebody saying it in real life. So, and I noticed that too on my YouTube. I'll get a hundred comments, all positive. Matt, love your work. Great guy. Keep it up. And some interesting questions or follow up questions that I'll respond to. And then there'll just be one guy going, "You're wasting your time. You're an idiot." And then yeah. that bums me out, you know? It's like one out of 100 comments, and that one bums me out, you know? But it's funny how it can still affect you. I mean, I, oh, yeah. I, I've i only just started becoming slightly active. I'm about to do 
uh, lots of little videos and things, but I've mainly done blogs and Facebook and, and interviews with other people. On You're show. all over the place, by the way. Yeah, it seems no. like it, it seems like wherever I go, Beast of Britain, Beast of Britain. <laughs> I'm like, huh, this guy's getting real popular. <laughs> I'm a shameless, shameless self-promoter, actually. But, oh, um, me too. In this, me just too. In the, uh, <laughs> the friendly sense of the word, I just love to talk about it, and um, I don't. I hopefully don't pretend to to know um, more than anybody else. I just have ideas, and like we're talking about, it's just an exchange of ideas, and that's a nice right. thing. Um, what I really do love and what I loved about being in the US for example recently was there was just so much and I know this is not the actual truth of the session but there was so much more um, colleagueship going on between a lot of people mutual appreciation and colleagueship um, and I actually, camaraderie yeah camaraderie um, and I I actually um, as a country maybe it was just the places I, I, I had nine flights while I was in there internal flight uh, maybe there's a places I visited, but I thought that the people um, were incredibly polite. The first thing that freaked me out, not when I landed in Orlando, because that was British people getting off the plane, but right. when I flew to, um, I think it, the first place was Atlanta, and I had to fly up to, to, to Portland after that. Um, right. When the plane landed, everybody got up and waited for the person in front of them to get off the plane before they tried to leave. I'd never seen that, not once, not ever. I will it say, yeah, I will say as uh, as a Californian with a lot of people here uh -huh. and around L.A. that people are genuinely, generally unfriendly. It's yeah, just kind of, right. you know, like road rage. Everybody's in a hurry. Uh, just kind of just kind of just kind of the big city attitude. Yeah, get the same you're walking. Thing. Yeah, you're walking down the street. You're in a grocery store and you smile at a nice looking lady and she just gives you you look like you pervert and i'm like i'm just smiling <laughs> at you lady you know um but you get out of town you even don't have to go that far and you're just driving down a road and people are waving at you and you're like what are they waving at you and, oh, and they're they like, the opposite car uh, hi, yeah yeah they, they, they're just waving hey buddy uh -huh. you know or you stop at a world gas station and people are just talking to you and yeah oh, and nice. um nice i mean uh, people in vermont new hampshire they were really oh, friendly very uh, salt to the earth very just you know Definitely. Good folks, and and I think as a in a lot of in a, in a lot of ways, I'm generally a conservative guy, pretty politically. Uh -huh. and I think and I th I think as you kind of as in some societies and some settings get more away from traditional family values, more away from um, general kind of conservative values, and get so more progressive, it kind of isolates you a little bit more and more, and kind of makes you a little more afraid or. You know, yeah. you think everybody's the family after unit something. is what teaches us to care about each other, and therefore exactly. then the world. So uh, I think that makes perfect sense. That the more isolated from that unit we are, that we would be less caring. Yeah, and it's just it's kind of funny how we get isolated from that in a bigger group of people. Like you yeah. internalize more, That's which right. I think kind of I think kind of goes back to Bigfoot too, where it's like you live in a big city with everything going on and you're surrounded by people and you just think that's the way life is. And you don't uh -huh. realize that a couple hours out of town is the middle of nowhere and strange creatures live in those woods, you know? And in you our really, case, not even a few hours, we're talking 30 minutes out and you're there. It's a lot like that here too. I mean, I'm in Orange County with 5 million people and it's basically one big city from edge to edge of our County. And then uh -huh. going into LA County, pretty much, um, from the edge of Orange County, which is kind of nothing out there, to almost complete till um, almost completely out of town, going up the Grapevine, it's one big solid city. But where I am in Orange County, 
I could go on a 15 minute drive and be in Santiago Canyon and go to all these rural areas. And, oh, wow. You know, I, I mean, I'm like a 15 or 20 minute drive from the countryside. And it amazes me that I know people that have lived here for 30 years that have like, you've never been to Tribuco Canyon, which is right down the road <laughs> with all these glorious old oak trees and forest and deer so and raccoons. And they're like, yeah, I didn't even know this was here. And I'm like, yeah. okay, you know, but that's the same person who's convinced that Bigfoot doesn't exist. So, Of course, because you're, you're <laughs> not out there looking. Now, I know I've kept you on here a long time, actually, but yeah, I just it's... want to ask you about one last thing uh, before we go, maybe 10 minutes or something. Uh, sure, which take was... as long as you want. So, Oh, great. Well, that's fantastic. Um, well, I was just interested in your take on werewolf or the dogman. So we've got, similarly to yourselves in the U.S., we have reports here, but they're they're, they're all over smaller, the world, actually. They are, and they're in a smaller percentage than the Bigfoot reports. And I think that's a similar thing there in the U.S. as well. But what we have described mostly seems, uh, I'd say, werewolf-like. Although the, the the physical bodies of the creature are more like Bigfoot, um, right. which is, to me is more like one of your types, right? But the the head is very canine. It's very wolf-like. Um, and I, I was investigating one recently in uh, Camberwell, old Cam Camberwell Cemetery in southeast London. You know, it's right in the centre, but it's surrounded by all these big green spaces and, and parks are very close. And that was in the, the 90s when, um, you might have heard this one before, actually, um, where a guy was cutting through the cemetery at the same time. It's really old. I took pictures there. You know, there's, there's forest that's grown over half of the graves. There's 10 acres of forest in there. And um, he was thrown to the ground by this huge man-like creature grabbed him by the arm and had a head like a german shepherd looking oh at him and slobbering in and, and sniffing him all up and down and this area is a little bit rough too so you know you're already on your guard i think <laughs> yeah, and, okay. um, yeah so um it's just that as quick as the attack started it finished and it ran off on its hind legs and he he believed this witness and he was spared because he suffers from a disease that dogs can smell um, oh. which is kind of strange. And then I, I published this this little investigation recently um, and somebody got in touch with me and said, I, I'm Irish and I used to live in, but I used to live in uh, Camberwell and next to the old cemetery. And myself and a friend were walking past there once, one night, not too many years back. And we saw, uh, you heard this horrible growling. You saw, saw a huge tree being shaken quite violently within the, graveyard and we, we ran and we got out of there we had such a terrible feeling so um i mean that's just one of quite a few reports but i just wonder what, what's right. your you know what's your take on the whole werewolf dogman thing a differentiation etc i think um people are definitely seeing something i think they are a real flesh and blood creature there's our reports of them scratching eating hunting doing the things that a creature does um not as much as Bigfoot. There seems to be a lot more, you know, hey, it came out of the fog and growled at me and then disappeared yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even a lot more than Bigfoot. Um, personally, more aggressive. You, well, you look at a Bigfoot and you're like, well, this is an apex predator that could possibly be explained through evolution. You look at a dog man and you're like, yeah. this was built. This was built for something. This was intimidation, terror, hunting. This is completely unnatural. If Bigfoot is slightly unnatural, it's completely unnatural. And I think for me personally, I have no real evidence to back this up or whatever. I feel like with Bigfoot, it is a flesh and blood creature, uh -huh. a natural creature that has been here for thousands of years that eats and breeds and does its thing. 
and they've got some they've, they've got a very slight paranormal side to them they've got a side to them that we don't understand hence the government cover-up um, yeah some kind some kind of connection or ability or something that we don't quite get or there's something maybe connected to another phenomenon some people say alien some people say interdimensionalism i don't yeah. know bigfoot has that where they're you know uh, a very cunning large creature that lives in the woods that's a master of its domain but they have a very strange side to them where i think when you cross into dogman to me the more the more i hear and i've heard lots of encounters and heard lots of different things and talked to lots of different people they almost seem like they're a physical manifestation of a demon like uh-huh. um you know maybe they're real creatures and they breed and they run in packs but there's just something like if bigfoot's you know, 95% normal creature and 5% something. The dog man's like 50-50. There's just so much more strangeness, evil, engineered, demonic um, going on with them. This is, I, th- I think you cross over. So for me, I break cryptids into three categories. And you as a cryptid uh-huh. researcher, like the first category is like your big cats or like yeah. in. Or, 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 Out of or place like, animals. Yeah, yeah. Or like in. Ohio, they're not supposed to have mountain lions, but they do, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, or, hey, you know, the Tasmanian devil, people still see him way out in the middle of nowhere, you know? Level two, I think, is like your Bigfoots, maybe some of your lake monsters, maybe some of your big giant fish that shouldn't be in a pond. Um, and undiscovered species, uh, a, yeah. a very real creature that's undiscovered. Then I think like a type three cryptid is like your dog man or this goat man that people see. Uh-huh. Or some of these very strange out there, like the Loveland Frog and the Enfield Horror. The yeah. Mothman. The Mothman is a perfect example of it's like yeah. you yeah. get into this category, and it's like I think we're out of cryptozoology, which is not parapsychology. I think cryptozoology, undiscovered species, and I think when you get into the the, the Dogman and the Mothman and some of this weird stuff, I think you've crossed over into a paranormal okay. um, creature from another dimension, another planet, engineered species. Um, the physical manifestation of a demon, all of the above, none of the above. I think you cross over when you start talking to a dog man. And that's just kind of the conclusion I've come to. No, I, I, that, that makes um, you know, that, that's very interesting, actually. And do you think that, because uh, people talk about different types of a, a dog man, which are being a sort of uh, mistaken for a type of Bigfoot that has that muzzle, that long muzzle, and yes. a werewolf, which is often described in some cases as. As, as, as you know, was this um, upright wolf, essentially, with wolf-like legs, you know, but uh, completely upright. And that's, Correct. as far as I'm aware, that that werewolf type with the wolf, uh, the upright wolf with the wolf-like uh, body isn't really described here. It's more like a big, hairy Bigfoot with a, a dog-like head, you know, or a, a werewolf-like head. Uh, well, the natives... As far as I- yeah, well, the natives call them like a gugwi, or yeah. it's even commonly called like a face eater, and they're all bad news. Face Personally, eater does sound bad, yes. <laughs> yes, something called face eater does not sound nice. Um, and from from described here in North America, they're 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 very rare. They're in the Missouri River Basin, mm-hmm. mostly going up into Canada. They're kind of lone hunters. They don't really travel in packs. But if you look at some, describe one that looked like a gorilla. Some describe one that looked like a chimpanzee. Okay. For 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 me, these have a connection to that they look like a mandrill or a uh, yeah baboon. Uh, yeah. Baboon, yeah. I'm sorry, just escaped me. Yeah, like like a mandrill or a baboon. And 
it's kind of strange for whatever reason that we have these different Bigfoot varieties that kind of resemble known apes. And, well, we have one that's big and aggressive that has big, nasty teeth and a snout. Well, what does that sound like in the animal kingdom? Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think there's a, there's a differentiation there, you know? And there are different types of dogmen. Some people describe ones that look very spotted hyena-like, wow. that almost have, like, a feline look to them here in America. And then other people describe, like, the upright German Shepherd, like, the classic dog man. And then yeah. other people describe, like, the face eater Gugly, where it looked like a Bigfoot body, but with, like, a big baboon head on it, you know? So, seems like I there's just, a lot of crazy stuff going on out there. I mean, if we can go, I mean, in a land as, as, as large as, uh, as, large as, the, as the USA as well, there's a lot more space uh, for, for these types of things to hide away and perhaps... If they're solitary uh, predators, you know they'll be seen less often. That makes sense. That, that would be the case. Here, it's like I say, it's generally the werewolf type creature. It's the but it's the the man like body with the uh, the dog or wolf like head, often huh. observed running on on four legs and then standing up or running on all fours and standing up onto two legs as it gets closer to its target. Um, you know. <clears throat> It, it, it almost seems to me you get a lot of reports of that of on four legs and that's a big dog and then it stands up. Yeah. It almost seems to me like they do it on purpose. Like, hey, I'm going to run on all fours. Watch me freak out this human even more. Yeah. You know, it, it almost seems like they're doing it intentionally. I just, you I, know? I think the, the all fours, uh, two legs, I'm as freaked out by these creatures. Oh, God, yeah. On, um, so we, we asked the question just, just finally, and I want to ask you this question so we can sure. wrap up here. Like, on this so when i was out with the researcher um the question i always pose is okay so here we are looking for bigfoot you know out by ourselves at night in the forest do you want to see one do you want to have that face to face with an animal that the creature is an individual animal that has to make a decision about what to do about bumping into you as much as you have to make that decision about what to do about bumping into it right you're both stood there you're in that situation where in the reality of that moment, you don't really know what's going to happen, life or death. Um, and that's the reality of facing a creature that could easily disassemble you, you know, whether it intends to or not. Um, what's your take on it? Do you want to have that experience? Do you want to have that you know, that face-to-face up close with this creature or, or no? Short answer, short answer is yes. But I, I'm a big preacher of exactly what you said. You don't get to pick your encounter. Yeah. As much as you'd love to see it run across the road or through a spotting scope, yes. it's probably going to be it's probably going to be feet from you, growling <laughs> at you, and you're going to be you know, relieving yourself in your pants, and right. it's going to be very scary. Uh -huh. um, I feel as time goes on and I get into the subject more and more, uh, as much as that would probably be a horrible experience. I feel like I feel like it would because I've had encounters with Bigfoots or what I think was Bigfoots, but I've never actually seen one up close. Uh -huh. yeah. I've been on the other sides of trees with them. I've heard the 800 pound owls. I've had tree knocks. I've had the sides of house thumps. I've had some strange encounters in the woods. Okay. I've had rocks thrown at me while out hunting and been trailed out by something that I couldn't tell what it yeah. was on two legs. Like I'm certain it was a Bigfoot, but uh -huh. I have never I have never seen one clearly. I've even as far as to see large shadows in the dark. Okay. And I and, and I shine from a flashlight. But I have never seen one clearly or up close. Part of me is like, I don't know if I want to see one. Yeah. But at the but at the same time, it would be absolute truth 
as horrible as the truth can be. Yeah. In, 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 in that sense, you know, like truth isn't beauty. And it so is I, just a moment, you know, I mean, whether yeah. you assume you uh, survive it, it's just a moment. Yeah. And I think it would be life changing. No. But short answer is yes. Yes. I think I would like to see one up close. Um, if that never happens, um, that, that's OK. And I'm probably better off. Yeah. You know, um, it, it, it's, uh, you know, it's like a, a soldier goes to war. He doesn't want to kill anybody. But, you know, yeah. if if if. if he he does he has to and he will because he's a soldier and that's his duty um if i'm i really have no desire to be within a few feet of a bigfoot but like i said i can't control it so if no, you I'm, can't and, and, i was and just gonna say of course there's the um, there's a discreditation aspect as well that the guy who's always going out looking for bigfoot finds it you know how surprising that kind right. of thing so we're back to the how would you release that incident to the world, etc. Really, isn't it? Yeah. If if it was just me having an encounter, like I wasn't recording anything, I would just make a video about it. I would just put yeah. a camera on a desk and do like an interview style, which I haven't sure. done in a long time. And I would just start from the beginning and tell the whole story and describe details. Maybe go on Sasquatch Chronicles or something, or go back uh -huh. as a guest on your show and describe what I saw. Um, now, if I had evidence, that would be a different story. But if it was just me having a face-to-face -face encounter with it. I would just tell my story, and if people want to believe it, they can. And if people don't want to believe it, that's fine too. Much like I've been doing already. No, I, I, I think that's yeah, that's very valid. Um, I mean, personally, for me, man, I would I would like to have the experience through the you know <laughs> through the scope <laughs> at a distance. But I, I rather feel that um, what we have here has uh, had a long time to be around us. And I'd say 99.9% of every single sighting in this country is via an incidental witness. Somebody right. with no interest in Bigfoot that was not looking for it and never heard of it. So I, I doubt that that will happen to me in this country, at least, anyway. Um, j just before uh, we go, is there anything you've got coming up? Any books, any talks, anything that you want to just mention? Uh, I don't really have any talks planned currently i'm always open if anybody ever wants to have me be a guest speaker i'm more than open right. to do it um number of different podcasts little tiny podcasts and different people have asked me to be a guest and they basically don't turn anybody down um, uh -huh. I, it, it's winter time here but I, I would like to get out and do some more field work um uh yeah i mean other than just working on videos doing what i'm doing just growing my channel and reading and talking to people uh yeah, nothing, nothing too big on the horizon right now. But uh, I think next year things are going to pick up. I've already had a couple people contacted me, interested in me being a guest speaker at a conference or two. And I said, well, when you get the date and it's official, let me know. Then I'll come out. You know, people oh, yeah. trying to put, to, you know, people trying to put together stuff. Which yeah, I'm, no, I understand that completely. You know, you, yeah. you have to have a, a schedule. I, I, I'd love to see you speak sometime. Obviously, we get to do it on YouTube as well, which is really nice. But I've, I've enjoyed your videos for quite a while now, and I feel like I've learned a lot from them. So thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one thing that strikes me about the public speaking engagements is how much I learn. You know, it's kind of like the whole thing. If you want to know something really well, teach it. Is how much I learned giving public speaking is the uh -huh. questions being asked and me yeah. talking to a crowd and seeing their reactions and their interpretations of it, how much it's made me think or rethink something, you know? So, I, I mean, it's, it's definitely both ways. And it's kind of like, I don't like to give a lecture as much as like have a conversation, even, even like with a crowd. Yeah, no, same, exactly the same. I, I don't think I, 
I mean, even in all of my talks, I don't think I, I was giving lectures. I wasn't able to, really. I just had to... Right. It's a stream of consciousness, hopefully, ordered in some sort of um, understandable way, really, isn't it? Now, well, I, I think we should sign off here, but I really, really appreciate this. And uh, I'll pop this up on on the channel in a few days. And, and thank you so much for coming on. I, uh, I've uh, had a great chat. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. It was uh, very interesting. Anytime you want to have me back on or talk about something else or one specific subject or footage you want to dissect together, let me know, man. I'll come back on. So That much I would really, really like. And I might even just send you a couple of private messages uh, for um, an opinion, you know, on the odd uh, piece of Absolutely. information. Okay. Thanks so All much, right. Matt. All right, okay. Bye. Happy holidays. You too. Okay. Bye-bye.